The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of its hosts, guests, or callers, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of WTBR-FM, its management, other producers, or sponsors. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Backstory. Let's hear it on WTBRFM, Pittsville, with Robert McCulloch Dews of the Mayor's Office in the city of Pittsville. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have with us Alex Rechkowski, <clears throat> Library Director for the Berkshire Athenaeum, Pittsville's public library. And this year, Alex is also serving as president of CW Mars, the library network for more than 150 libraries from Worcester through Western Massachusetts. And he was recently appointed president of the Pittsville Rotary. So Alex is one busy man. Welcome, Alex. Let's get started. Thank you so much, Roberta. I'm so glad to be here. So Alex, we have a lot to talk about, but I always like to get some biographical um, information from my guests to set the stage. So your your hometown is Ringtown, PA. I've never heard of Ringtown before. <laughs> Who has, Roberta? It's a town of about 800 people. And I was thinking about it so much this morning. Uh, I was at the library with Margaret Hintz, who's uh-huh. one of our great library volunteers. Yeah. She works on the book sale with Nancy McNabb and a, a whole team. And we were talking about picking strawberries. Uh-huh. She was just up in Lanesboro picking some strawberries and saying how delicious and wonderful they are. And yeah. that took me back because when I was back in Ringtown, my first job was working on a farm. Really? And I have literally picked tons of strawberries. How old were you when you worked on the farm? <laughs> um, my first year, I was 13. Okay. And that year, I mostly picked weeds and rocks. Hmm. Now, was it sort of um, a rites of passage, so to speak, for everyone to sort of work the farms in Ringtown? Ringtown was an agricultural community, so Mm -hmm. a lot of us did. um, The the folks who owned the farm were a distant cousin, so Mm -hmm. my sister had worked there um, when she turned 13, and Mm -hmm. then, yes, it was definitely a rite of passage. So is it like... One of those towns where everyone knows everyone um, and everyone sort of knows your business. Not not just your business, but your relative's (laughs) business. They know who's related to who. Yes, they know everything. There are no secrets, just like Pittsfield, right? Yeah, yeah. well, no, I mean, Pittsfield, it's interesting (laughs) because people always say, oh, Pittsfield is a town. But Pittsfield is a city, a city of 44,000. That's no ringtown. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> How many individuals were in your graduating class? So for high school, yeah. we went to a regional high school. Okay. So there were 150 uh, in my high school um, mm. graduating class. But we still have elementary school class reunions. There were 17 of us oh. in our kindergarten class. Are you guys close? Do you stay in contact? Uh I actually stay in contact closer with my my elementary school friends than with my high school friends, to be honest. Yeah, you guys were a close group. Yeah, you spend. We spent kindergarten through sixth grade together. We just really knew each other. Year, just the seventeen of us. Of us. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's a a small and close group. <laughs> um, very interesting. So, <laughs> so were you? Did you just have a, a hankering to get out of Ringtown? Um, was it something like, okay, this this small town is really, you know, working my nerves, or was it? I just want to see the world. I mean, what was yeah. it? Yeah, I think 
Um, it's like that Sweet Charity song, mm-hmm. right? There's got to be something better than this. Yeah. There's got to be something better to do. Yeah. So when I was probably when I turned 15 or 16, one of my really close friends, she and I started making day trips mm-hmm. or a couple day weekend trips to yeah. New York because New York, that was that was where life was. Uh-huh. That that made us feel so adult. The you know? big city. <laughs> it is. How'd you get there? By bus? Um, I We did take a bus a few times and then once she got her driver's license okay. we got brave. Okay. And we would go in her Jeep <laughs> and, and drive into the city. Mm-hmm. She was the brave one. A, mm-hmm. a year older than I was. So mm-hmm. she, she would always drive. And um, yeah, it just... It's so funny. When we were growing up we wanted so much to be adult. Yeah. Right? Yep. And now... That we're older, we we so much try to find ways to be. Isn't that always the case? <laughs> I mean, I remember when I was a teenager, and I I couldn't wait to grow up. And I remember folks around me would say, "Enjoy your childhood. You only have it for a short amount of time." And you don't want to hear any of that. You want to you want to you know wear makeup and you know and 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 look older than what you really are. And then when you're and then when you're older, then you're trying to look younger. <laughs> Well, there's no age limit on makeup. You could surely be dressing up when you were when you were younger. Yeah, but you grew up in the city, so that's a very different kind of. I did. I grew up in the Bronx, and I mean, it's such an interesting vibe because when you're, you know, being a, a city kid, um, even though I wasn't in Manhattan, I mean, when you're in the boroughs, you're still it's still a part of New York. It's just a different vibe. I mean, you learn how to, you know, use a public transportation at an early age. Mm. You take the subway, mm-hmm. buses. All of that. And I think about my kids and putting them in a setting like that. I mean, at like 12, 13, I was taking the bus. I was taking the train mm-hmm. without supervision, mm-hmm. you know, um, and because that's what I grew up around. Right. That is such an interesting thing to me to yeah. to look at how we treat our, our kids mm-hmm. now. Um, when I was growing up. We lived in the middle of nowhere, so we were out riding our bikes right. everywhere. We'd be five miles from home. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew where we were exactly at that time. Yep. And nobody was worried. Yeah. You know? It was such a different time, though, Alex. I mean, I feel like it was, in some ways, I mean, I, I don't want to say it was totally safer because I think we still had elements of, you know, missing children and things like that. And there were things going on. Um, but I feel like maybe we're more aware off mm-hmm. the, the, the elements of danger? I don't know. It just seems like we put the reins on a few things. And also, we live differently. Mm-hmm. We had more community settings. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone sort of has, you know, it's like their own fiefdom, right? You know, they have mm-hmm. their, their home, their their yard. Everyone stays inside their perimeter. Mm-hmm. It's just different. So that sense of community, I think, has evolved as well. Depending on where you live, there's also a different sense of how we should be spending our time and our days. Yeah, we're we're so programmed. Mm-hmm. I think about you with your kids, and you're running. If you're not running to football, you're running to <laughs> to uh, wrestling, or you're running to the play. Have practice, you been following or... me on Facebook, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> and that's just so different. It's different. We we I think every aspect of our kids' lives today feel almost prescribed right like mm-hmm. you sketch it out and i and i i think growing up there were elements where they i had those boundaries as well my brother and i we did but we had play we had free time to play mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. imagine and just ride our bikes and the landscape allowed for that mm-hmm. we were able to go on adventures and mm-hmm. come back it's different when you live in areas where you don't have sidewalks 
Mm-hmm. Right. So if you just have a road <laughs> and there are cars, it, the element of danger, I think, is more heightened. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's it's different, um, different perspectives. But so Ringtown offered you that sense of adventure, um, but you're able you're still able to go to New York City and stretch your imagination. Sure. Well, yeah. Ringtown really gave a sense of community. Mm. Um, I remember when I was four before I started school, I was so upset about starting school because I had my life oh. before school. I, my, my, um, my mom worked, mm-hmm. so I was staying with my grandmother. Yeah. My grandfather was also working. Mm-hmm. And she and I had our daily routine. We would go to the local soda shop mm-hmm. around lunchtime and, and sh- split a soda together mm-hmm. and hear what all the gossip was in town. <laughs> and then go to the little market next yeah. door and hear all of the gossip in there. And so I, I got this real sense where I knew people and people knew me. We right. cared about each other, that right. sense of community. And I think that's something that's still possible here in Field, even in a, on a bit larger scale. All right. So I think that that uh, knowing each other mm-hmm. was a great foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the city represented a bit of anonymity, mm-hmm. a bit, of, and that maybe that's where the adventure came in mm-hmm. because nobody was watching, mm-hmm. but also there were more possibilities. Right there, sure. there was no French connection in Ringtown, <laughs> PA. Okay, you mentioned French connection because you know you used to work there. <laughs> So you asked about when I if did I take a bus yeah. to New York? The first bus I took to yeah. New York, it left us off on Avenue of the Americas uh-huh. in front of French Connection, <laughs> and I thought, "Oh my goodness, this is fancy!" Yeah, French this Connection is... was the place. Um, I still think they are they're in business, um, but yeah, I, I worked there. Um, it was right on Broadway and 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 West Fourth. And um, oh, you were in the downtown one, of yeah, course. by in the Village by NYU. Yeah, by NYU, my my alma mater, class of two thousand. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, but it was. <laughs> It was such a, wow, such a great time. Such a great time going to school in the village in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Great, great times. I and was right behind you. I was in Hayden Hall the summer of 2000. Wow. Yeah, so, so I just So you. that's so interesting because I remember Hayden when, and I didn't dorm. I didn't mm-hmm. stay on campus. So I, co- I commuted from Queens. I was in a two-fair zone, took a bus mm. to a train every day. Four years of college, right? Was that the from Queens? I took to the, take the I took the um, Q four, and then I took it to Parsons and Archer and caught mm-hmm. the E train and the E uh-huh. from Parsons and Archer to West, to West Fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every, I remember ACE baby yeah, every day. And I'm telling you, when you have to take public transportation to get around, your time management has to be on point <laughs> because when you miss that bus. You miss that bus and trains, as you know, in New York, whether back in the day, it was always breaking down. They were, there was always a train that was breaking down somewhere. There was a delay. Someone pulled the emergency brake. So it the was, queue isn't working, it, isn't running like, today. You would be like, okay, goodness. So you always have to like actually pad in time mm-hmm. for any kind of mishap that could occur. You know, I always say like here I'm in my car. What traffic is there? <laughs> I, it's 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 so funny. It's it's all relative. That's why I'm like, please, just people, just enjoy the ride because you really don't know traffic. No, you no. have no idea what. Traffic I was behind is. one slow car this morning on yeah. Fen Street, and I thought, what is happening? <laughs> it's like my world. <laughs> Oh, my 
my goodness. But all right, so let's let's bring it from New York City to Pittsfield. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. you you once said that Pittsfield offered the best of both worlds. Was it kind of a love at first sight kind of thing when you got here? Oh yeah, it was kind of magical. Um, hmm. I think when I first moved here, I thought, oh, it's so close to Boston. It's so Mm -hmm. close to New York. I'm going to be visiting these cities all the time. And then I got here and realized that the city comes to Pittsfield, right? The city Mm -hmm. comes to the Berkshires. And so we have, you know, I can relive my childhood. I can go out on that bike path and Mm -hmm. ride all day, all the way up to Adams Mm -hmm. and then all the way back and still have this world-class art scene. Yeah, We have just tremendous... Well, you know all of the great resources. I we have know. all the museums, we have all the theaters, we have dance, we have culturals. Yeah, it's... So what year did you first arrive here? I came to Pittsfield in uh, 2010. That's when I had my daughter. What month? <laughs> August. August. I had Kennedy in July. I was very pregnant when we arrived here, and I got here in June of 2010, and she was born at BMC um, in July. Yep, that's right. And you were saying, thank God I'm not in Sheboygan. Oh, my goodness. I was, (laughs) yeah, I mean, that could have been, right? So it was either Pittsville or Sheboygan, Wisconsin. (laughs) And good old Pittsville won out. Well, we're and lucky I, for and it. I, and, I've, and I loved it. I mean, I, I, I feel like having lived in other places, I have that perspective of knowing what is. And the, the community we lived um, before we moved here, it was, it was a great, like, great community of people. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the offerings, it did not have what Pittsville mm-hmm. has. Like, I always tell folks, like, you don't understand what you have. You have, you truly do have the best of both worlds. If you really want to get away and escape into nature, you can. Mm-hmm. If you want to have, you know, have a little bit of an urban flair, you have that. Mm-hmm. And an urban flair comes with its characters. That's mm-hmm. what an urban flair has. We've got flair. Right? We've got tons of flair. And I think that just adds to Pittsfield's character. And that's why I, um, that's why we love it. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're happy we're here. Um, so Alex, when you, you're, you're here, you're like, this is my new community. Mm-hmm. What were some of the first things you did to get involved? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I was lucky that I worked at the library, mm-hmm. so I knew about the museum pass program. Okay. So the library has passes for lots of our local cultural organizations. Mm-hmm. You borrow the pass, you can go see it. When you first move here, that's yeah. a lot. You go to each one of these and you're shelling out $20, 25 at each one. So that let me get a, a grounding for, for mm-hmm. where I felt like I fit in. Okay. Um, and then I found where I wanted to become a member myself. Okay. Um, and and really one of the first the first very welcoming things was I went to a dance party at New Stage Performing Arts oh. that was up above the beacon. Uh-huh. And I met Nikki Wilson, who yeah. was the artistic director there, and we just clicked. Yeah. And she said, okay, you've got to meet everybody. <laughs> and I don't know, within a week, I was stage managing a show at the Colonial there. What? It was very fun. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so then you just get to meet people and, and talk to people in that way. And, yeah. and soon soon you know everybody. Well, I, I'm, I'm going back to your past in Ringtown. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, I mean, obviously you had a job that... Um, 
granted you access into some of these worlds and connections. But you also had that foundation where you weren't afraid to speak to people. You mm-hmm. knew the mm-hmm. art of conversation. Mm-hmm. That's, again, something that we don't necessarily always see today, right? Because we're on our devices. But when mm. you had no devices sure. and you had to have that conversation, it helps when you move to a new community and you're getting to know sure. people. Yeah, I, I really have my undergraduate education to thank for that. Mm. And um, you might might relate to some of it. I went to a same-sex college mm-hmm. institution. Mm-hmm. I went to Hampton Sydney College in yeah. Virginia. And in the, the key, yeah. that was the name of the, the book that you got when you became a student. It had yeah. all the rules yeah. of how to be a good student there. Yeah. And one of the major rules there was you are to greet everyone you meet mm-hmm. on campus. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we really lived it. And yeah. so that practice... Yeah. I don't know. Some of it is just about having permission. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we walk down the street and we don't feel like we're even allowed to say hi to people. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you mentioned just the, the type of, um, in terms of the environment. And my high school was an um, all-girls Catholic high school mm-hmm. um, in the Bronx and Yonkers because it was on the border of both. And there was one thing that they used to always say, when you go through a door, always look behind you. And hold it open for the next person coming through. Mm -hmm. Never let a door slam in the next person's face. Mm -hmm. And it's such a simple gesture, but it Mm -hmm. means a lot, right? Mm -hmm. It means a lot. And I'm so, I'm always aware. I watch people. I'm always aware when I see folks who don't look behind them and they let the door (laughs) slam. And not to say that that symbolizes some big, great, you know, um, you know, ideology or anything. But it's a simple thing, right? I I look at the ones who look back and the ones who don't, mm-hmm. right? Well, this is just a great practice of caretaking. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. As we think about how much we talk about the need mm-hmm. for self-care these mm-hmm. days, especially coming out of a pandemic, yeah. Um, I think... Th- caretaking for mm-hmm. ourselves and for others is so important and how we yeah. how we treat others that also helps us remember how to treat ourselves well you're you're absolutely right alex um i think that we have to actually give more thought to that nowadays mm-hmm. um because sometimes we're so in our bubble mm-hmm. that we don't we don't take the time to so we look. can take some of that air out yeah. we can take some of that pressure off right yeah. that this isn't this isn't rocket science, right? We don't have to be we don't have to be Stephanie Wilson to know how to do this. That these it's small simple. steps, these small simple steps. Alex, and that's so a lot of simple. the work that we do at the library. Well, I want to get into the work that you do at the library because hmm. you um, actually um, in your in your former position, you were supervisor, I want to say, of technical services, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. And so you then um, you took over uh, the library director position from Ron Latham, Correct. who was a longtime library director. Yes. And I want to say you assumed your role in 2016. That's right. You did your homework. I sure did. Um, so, What's interesting about yeah. the technical services position yeah. is that really is like uh, the magical caretakers in okay. the library. How so? So when you walk into the library, I think it's just like when you walk into a store, yeah. you just think, well, the stuff is all there. Mm. The books are on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Of course. You don't think about somebody had to pick it out. Somebody had to order it from mm-hmm. our vendors. Somebody had to pay the bill for it. Somebody had to catalog it so you right. can find it and right. you can put holds on it. Put a nice uh, book jacket on it. Mm-hmm. Put all of the stamps and everything on it. It just seems like things just appear there. And that's the work that technical services really does. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So sort of behind the scenes, making sure that the stage is ready for everyone to Mm -hmm. enter, Mm -hmm. right? But you take that sort of back 
you know, behind the scenes role. Yeah, of yeah. course. And it's about it, it takes a lot of, of pre-planning, right? Mm-hmm. You want to have the book on the shelf the day that it comes out or right. you want to have that new CD the day that it's dropped. Wow. So that patrons can borrow it right away. And that means you got to have everything ordered in time. So it comes in, it comes in in time and you have the workflow. That's in place. a key so it's, role. So it's ready. Yeah, that's, that's a huge role. Yeah. People don't want to be waiting for all the new exciting stuff. Of course, especially when they get their library alerts, too. They want <laughs> yep, to make sure when they... We get the they... Wowbury every <laughs> Saturday. Right. You put that hold on. I'm going to be first on the queue. That's right. When they get their library alert, they want to make sure that that product is there when mm-hmm. they get in. Yeah. So, Alex, was this something that you ever imagined for yourself? Because I know your passion. Listen, I know your passion was for the library. Like, I know when you were five years old, I know you had your own <laughs> makeshift library. You had a little book, a bookcase. Yeah. And you used to have your own stamp where you'd stamp your little mm-hmm. books and you knew where everything was. You were a one man librarian mm-hmm. with the library in your house. Mm-hmm. So I know that you had this long standing passion for <laughs> library work. But did you ever envision yourself in the leadership capacity? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Of course. When I interviewed with Ron, um, he had one of the questions in my interview for technical services yeah. supervisor was, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah. And I said, well, Ron, when are you retiring? I, you know, yeah. I had come from a background as an undergrad. I have a, a degree in applied math mm-hmm. and in fine arts. And my fine arts work was uh, in a lot of theater directing, stage managing, assistant directing. Mm-hmm. And so I had formal training in being a director. Yeah. Right. And so I I knew that that kind of direction was was somewhere in my future. That was such a bold answer. <laughs> Wow. Well, it was true. Yeah. I had I had been working in libraries for I don't know, probably almost 10 years by then. 10 mm-hmm. years by then. So, I knew So you what knew the what you wanted. Was. Yeah, yeah, for sure. More power to you because I think the fact that you were honest to say it because some people wouldn't have been that honest. Well, I was the library director in my little library when I was five you in were. the bookcase. And books always <laughs> felt so magical to me, mm-hmm. so powerful to me. Yeah. Um a fun a fun story is uh one of my great 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 aunts mm-hmm. i believe was believed in my small town to be a witch she was actually murdered mm. in 1929 or 1930 i think for because she put a hex on a farmer and so he alex i heard about that story and i, I thought you were going to tell me like 1800s or something like that 1929 <laughs> i think it was 1929 i'd have to go back That's and look still like modern times modern times and so um, I felt like my grandmother must have had some of her spell, witch spell books, because she had she had some books that I was, you know, they were just adult books and yeah. hard, hard bound, leather bound books. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, oh, these are the magic spell books. Yeah. <laughs> they were I'm, I'm envisioning like witches of Eastwick or something. <laughs> But I felt I felt yeah. that power, yeah. and of course, uh, yeah. I don't know about spell books. Maybe yeah. I think there is a new witch store on North Street in Pittsfield. I, I so think they so. might have a spell book, but yeah. but really, the power in in the books, books. Is, is in the stories. I I agree. I am a book lover myself. You know that I always um, I always frequent the book sales when mm-hmm. they occur because um, for me it's all about words. I love words. I love books. I like to hold books. I like to read books. Actual books. I do not like to read on devices. I actually like to carry books with me. It makes my bag a lot more heavier. <laughs> but for me, my love affair with books started as a child as well, and. Back 
back in the 80s, they call them media centers. So, mm-hmm. it you know, you had your library, but then there was also a little entertainment section, and mm-hmm. they'd have students, I guess, watch TV before school starts or something like that, or if there was like a special movie that they would show. Um, but I had this... Um, this uh, predilection toward cookbooks. Mm. I used to check out cookbooks. Not that I was going to actually make these things, but I used to love reading the recipes. Well, they give you such a great insight into different cultures. Yeah. Well, the one I used to love was um, Laura Ingalls Wilder, um, the Little House on the Prairie cookbook. What did you love about that? Well, because it just, first of all, I think because Little House on the Prairie was on TV back then, Mm -hmm. but, and I think it was this great supplement, but it made me think about like life on the prairie, like on the range. And I got to tell you a story. So there was a recipe for roasted acorns, right? (laughs) And why on my way home from school, I collected acorns and proceeded Mm -hmm. to go home and try to roast them in the oven. Mm. But How'd that work out? It didn't because you have to crack the acorn. You gotta to get, open them, right? And I didn't know how to do that. You gotta be a squirrel to open an acorn. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think why that story is so endearing to me now as I look back is because my imagination was full throttle, right? Mm-hmm. I I read this recipe and I thought I could do that. Um, and I and books for me were always a gateway. They were a mm-hmm. gateway to adventure, to a different life. Um, and I was always reading, mm-hmm. always reading. Even in class, I was always reading when I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> um, so I understand fully your, your love of books. I love that idea of yeah. daydreaming and imagination with books. Well, that's what they allow for. Mm-hmm. You know, they allow you to escape. This is one of the the challenges of kind of the information landscape that we're now in. Mm-hmm. The library used to be busier with folks coming in looking for what we might call trivia, yeah. right? Because we we didn't have Google in our pocket or right. Wikipedia in our pocket to see right. when did this person when was this person born? What, when was, did this person die? What was that? What was that person's name? Remember they wrote the movie without the thing? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. we have that, and so we've we've gotten away from from that. But I think. In, in having that fingertip answer, we've lost some of that um, space to yeah. imagine, to dream, to remember. Mm-hmm. And I think our memories are have shifted. Mm-hmm. I th- I'm sure there's science to, to prove that. Yeah. But also the way that we relied on our community for info. I can remember so many holiday gatherings around the table with my family, you know, debating about who lived in this house and wait, where was that house and what was that street? <laughs> and now, you know, we'd pull out the the Google Maps or we'd pull out the Zillow and right. see when was that house sold. Yeah. And we've lost some of that Space yeah. even even yeah. some of the space for being okay with not knowing, right. being okay with maybe being wrong mm. when it didn't matter, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, sometimes I worry about about mm. our desire to have the perfect answer or the exact answer, mm. um, even when it's not. No, I I, I feel important. you, Alex. It's um, I think you're you're absolutely right. We we 
we have lost something, even though we have tremendous gains. You mm-hmm. know, technology allows for so much. You know, that moment, where, I mean, I remember back in the day, again, we used to have encyclopedias, right? Mm-hmm. And when you had to do like a book report or something, you had mm-hmm. to look it up <laughs> and you had to search for information. And I think mm-hmm. going back to your point about searching for information, being on the hunt, that curiosity, right now our curiosity can be settled within a matter of seconds. <laughs> Right. So there there it goes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And some of the serendipity of what you find next to it. I mean, I think that might be part of part of what the physical book versus electronic book. When we when we get electronic resources, we usually just go directly to them. Mm -hmm. But when we're when we're looking, when we're browsing on the shelf, Mm -hmm. we find this book that's four four books down Mm -hmm. or a shelf down. And you're like, oh, I like that one, too. Yeah, sometimes yeah. we don't know exactly what we want. Right, because books speak to you. Mm-hmm. It's whether it's the, the cover art, whether it's the type, something about a book speaks to you. And if you're a book lover, you know exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And then there's the whole tactile experience as well, just turning those pages. Mm-hmm. Then there's also that scent, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. So if you're if you're a book lover, then you totally understand. If you're not, then you're like, what is she talking about? You're right. There's there's such a there's so much coded information mm-hmm. in a physical book. Yeah. You can probably look at books and just by their shape, mm-hmm. their size, their feel, the colors. Yeah. The graphics, you can tell yeah. that that's your, you know, yeah. that's, that's one of the books you're looking for. A- absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, you know, when we think about like librarians and, and people who work in a library, mm-hmm. do you think that there's a, a perception of what that individual looks like? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Roberta. I don't know. Um, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, cer- certainly libraries have been um, dominated by female staff, mm-hmm. so I think there's this female perception. Right. Although I have to say with some embarrassment yeah. that a lot of directors have been male, right? Oh. So lots of times there there would be a man in charge mm. and then women um, in, the, in the public service roles. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that's particularly... Unusual for a public service <laughs> right. job, right? Um, but sure, I mean, everyone thinks about a, a middle-aged white lady with her clacky shoes and her a bun, bun and, and glasses. glasses on a little chain. <laughs> and a vest. Sure. A sweater and a vest, vest. And a vest, maybe. <laughs> yes. Sure. Sure, but that's yeah. that's just like like yeah. our just the way maybe mm-hmm. we pictured who a doctor was, right, right, or who a nurse was, right. or who a taxi driver was. How images get ingrained yeah. in our subconscious, and certainly, certainly we we have lots of diversity, absolutely, at the, at the library. So when you think about those who are going into the profession today, and your fellow mm-hmm. librarians across the state, what do they look like? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's. Well, I will admit it's still unfortunately very mm-hmm. white. Okay. It's a it's a white dominated mm-hmm. profession still. Mm-hmm. I, there are a lot of programs to help bring diversity into yeah, it. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is it's a, it's a a big step to get mm-hmm. to be a professional librarian that master's degree yeah. step and the work and the money it takes to get that degree mm-hmm. and then the potential payout yeah. the salary that you get in return for that um, people do the cost benefit analysis right. and they and so it's uh, mm. i think that's contributing a bit to to the lack of diversity mm. um, but 
it's uh, I would say the next generation are passionate people. Mm-hmm. We're seeing this right. There's there's some data on millennials about they are looking for more meaningful work, right. and that pay is maybe not their first priority. Right. It's the and whole work life balance kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a bit of um, caring about access right. and privacy. Mm-hmm. So librarians are on the forefront of privacy. Right. Mm-hmm. We've always said. We've always told everyone how we're not going to tell people what books you're reading and right. that that privacy is is a central tenet to right. us. And that's a privacy that we're seeing people give away so easily now. Mm. How many apps on your phone say, we're going to track you for this and you're giving us permission to track your location right. and and put cookies on there so I know every other website you went so I can give you that advertisement. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that librarians are tuned into wanting to protect that privacy, mm-hmm. wanting to be aware of how um, that understanding of, of someone, having all of those pieces of information can be used to manipulate someone. Mm. And so I think there's, you know, there's a little bit of that yeah. radical freedom yeah. feeling. It's an interesting dichotomy because you, you talk about the privacy aspect and the commitment to that. And on the other hand, there's the other end of the spectrum where libraries are also really committed to that access. So there's the mm-hmm. access and then there's a the privacy mm-hmm. um, and shifting toward the access. You know, one of the things that I know for the Berkshire Athenaeum is that, you know, the brand it's all about welcoming Mm -hmm. and there is a tagline right that says welcome everyone um yeah our tagline is wonder inside wonder inside but wonder inside so that's our public but our brand promise Promise. this is what what the brand means to staff this is this is what tells us if we're living up to this brand if we're living up to a place where people can wonder Wonder inside inside. that means welcoming everyone and so what does that look like in terms of your work how does that inform the work that you do every day you and your team yeah for sure it's about meeting people where they are Mm -hmm. it's about making this is this is really a challenge in our community where we have so many strata so many differences and the library is a place where everybody comes right so it's a place where people who have differences really interact with each other it's maybe one of the few places right Mm. Even at the grocery store, there's there's who who goes to the grocery store at certain times of day, you know, mm-hmm. you know who the Saturday shoppers are <laughs> versus the Tuesday night shoppers. Right. But the library, we, we've got some people from all parts of the community. Yeah. And so it's about um, supporting the staff so we can be comfortable with everyone, because mm-hmm. lots of times when we meet people with differences, differences can can lead to fear right and that fear leads to leads to space and and not welcoming people so right. it's about breaking down those fears hmm. seeing seeing each other mm-hmm. as having equal rights and equal interests mm-hmm. everybody's interest is right is so interesting very right? interesting. it can be so fun hmm. going down a rabbit hole with somebody looking for the perfect book right and that can be about a subject that is of no interest to me but just mm-hmm. just feeding that mm. that that Curiosity can be so fascinating. Right now, in some practical ways, we've been um, we we changed some of our hiring policies and what we're able to compensate people. So we do have a foreign language incentive. Mm-hmm. So fo- folks who who are fluent in a foreign language get paid um, an additional two dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of recruiting, so that our staff can look more like the community, and so we can serve more of the community. Right. Hmm. Have you found that, um, you know, the library is 
is frequented in even a more, um, you know, in a more, uh, well, yeah, frequent manner, I should say, because Mm. there was a time when people thought like with technology, it would lessen the importance Mm -hmm. of of a library. Mm -hmm. Have you found that there is this steady drumbeat of people Mm -hmm. coming in um, looking for resources and services? For sure. A resource, you know, the media changes. Yeah. Maybe some folks aren't looking for a physical book anymore. Yeah. Maybe they're looking for a large print book. Maybe they're looking for an audio book or an ebook. Mm. But but people still have have those needs, have that curiosity. Mm. Um, if we're to believe Aristotle, every all humans desire understanding. So we have this innate yeah. desire to understand, and yeah. and that's what the library does is connect people with resources. So yes, people might have internet, but the library has the fastest internet in the city. Right? Okay. We have a fiber connection. That's that. I don't know. There might be a business in town that has a faster <laughs> one. Okay, there may be some business, but on the consumer level, right? And and free, yeah. right? And so people are still coming in. People don't have printers at home yeah. anymore, so they come in for for a printer. Or what really the library has, and you know what the greatest asset of the library is. That's the staff. Yeah. That's the community that mm-hmm. comes there. The library is this magical third place. Mm-hmm. Where else can you go yeah. and be welcomed mm. and have people want to help you find answers to your questions? Right. Have people want to give you things to take home? Right. Um, so it's still this magical place that I don't I don't see the, the demand going down. So tell me, in addition to books... What are some of the most popular um, resources that when people come into the library, they're like, I want that or this is what I'm Mm -hmm. interested in? Do you have sort of maybe like um, those that would number your top five? Sure. Well, I got to say, books are still the top. Okay, people, top people, number and one. And DVDs. Okay. Books and DVDs. DVDs? Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. Yeah, people. There's some. There's been some shift now that folks are doing more streaming. Yeah. But but we do have, have streaming video. We have the Canopy streaming video. Um, but people do still come in for DVDs quite a bit or borrow them from other libraries. Okay. Um, probably some of the more interesting things are the library hotspots. Mm-hmm. So you can come and borrow a cellular hotspot. And um, I think people love it to go to the lake or the cabin or the beach or out of town or uh-huh. or wherever. Do you find that most people are in the know about the library hotspot? Like, who's checking out the library hotspot? Everybody is Everyone checking is. them out. Everybody <laughs> okay. is checking them out, for sure. For okay, sure. good. Yeah, and the, I would say the, the Wi-Fi in general is, okay. is something people come to the library for, since we do, you know, it is faster Wi-Fi. You're going to get a faster upload speed. Mm-hmm. So if you're uploading your videos and they take forever at home, mm-hmm. I know download is usually faster. So people, even on the weekends or, or days when we're closed, people will sit outside to grab our, our Wi-Fi for that because yeah and then um you know in terms of borrowing i I could probably talk about our e-resources which Mm -hmm. have just boomed during the pandemic everybody's been borrowing e-books and and um e-audio but i think for our library i really have to talk about our local history department okay because we have all of these great genealogical resources Mm -hmm. and amazing local history uh resources And the, so, and the staff to yes. support it to help you find things. That's important to have that knowledge, right? Not mm-hmm. only in the catalog, but really mm-hmm. in the library itself. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. One of the first, one of the major lessons that was kind of eye-opening in my, when I was learning how to be a reference librarian is don't forget that people are resources. Mm. That sometimes your best resource is asking someone 
because that book hasn't been written yet. Right. But, the per- but people know the story. And we certainly have that. Mm, I love it. I remember during the pandemic, there was a feature, and I don't know if the library still offers it, where people could, um, I guess, um, get their books and then like come and pick it up. Is it? Mm-hmm. Do you still offer that? Yeah, we do offer curbside yeah. service. It is. Um, people really like to come in and pick up okay. their books and not have to schedule the yeah. time. So we will offer it for folks who aren't comfortable coming in or who have mobility issues okay. that don't want to come into the building. Okay. Yeah, you can still get curbside at, nice. down at the Bartlett Avenue entrance. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. So I want to go um, into some of the trainings that you've participated in, because <laughs> I think that this is it's part and parcel also of the work that you're doing. So you've participated in community building trainings like trauma informed community approaches, diversity, equity and inclusion and anti-racism. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, you know, I mean, when I, again, when I'm thinking of, like, a library, I'm not necessarily thinking of these kind of engagement opportunities, um, but they're so necessary, and they help, obviously, to inform the work that you do. How so? For sure. For sure. I mean, this is exactly what we were talking about, about mm-hmm. welcoming everyone yeah. to be a, a place that welcomes everyone. We we want to understand mm-hmm. how to do that. And so I think we can be really proud in the Berkshires that mm-hmm. we've been we've been doing this work for years. And I think mm-hmm. back on, oh, the first meetings on trauma-informed community were at the Colonial, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And that was probably five years ago, at mm. least. And that one of the main lessons from that is um, when, when you're faced with a challenging situation, mm-hmm. to resist asking people, what's wrong with you? Or, what's wrong? And to go more towards what happened explain the situation let's learn what happened and it's so funny we're going back to those small things Mm -hmm. that small shift in questioning that small shift in perspective can help us meet each other and and actually communicate rather than put up barriers and defense mechanisms so that has that has really changed how we we work when there is a problem at the Mm -hmm. library people come in with all sorts of problems right and i remember uh, this is uh, one of the most heartwarming moments for me. We had a patron who came into the library and staff recognized that something something wasn't right. And we said to the patron, what's going on? Are you feeling okay? What's happening? And they admitted that they, they weren't hadn't been feeling well that morning. And we in that conversation, we recognized some common signs for stroke and got them to the emergency room wow. so that they had a faster recovery. They were actually having a stroke. And so, you know, it just building wow. that relationship and, and seeing people and, and being able to communicate in a respectful way. That's... That's just, okay, the significance of that. I'll just break it down. The fact is that in order to see that, you had to see the person, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I, there's power in looking at another individual, mm-hmm. fully looking mm-hmm. at them and seeing them and recognizing when something is off. And too many times we don't. We don't see each other, mm-hmm. right? In mm-hmm. order for them to have seen the signs off the stroke which was Mm -hmm. they had to know something was off but you have to see the person Mm -hmm. and i think that goes to the heart of a lot of this work seeing each other Mm -hmm. we don't see each other Mm -hmm. you're right you're right and 
maybe that's also some of the magic of the library mm. that we're allowed mm. to see each other there. Right. I think when when sometimes in public places when we're walking down the street, right. you know, we feel like we're not supposed to. Right. Don't be bothering other people. Mm-hmm. Don't be making eye contact. Don't, <laughs> don't be. You yeah. Know, don't invite people into your world. Right. And that's exactly what we're doing every day is inviting people into our our world of the it's a library. Shift. Yeah. yeah. So on yeah. some some more of the support that we've had, I know um, I had some trainings at MCLA. Yeah. They they did some of the DEI trainings, and I was uh, fortunate enough to participate in some anti racism training that mm-hmm. Jacobs Pillow provided for their staff and some community partners um, with the uh, just opening up and having people feel like it's okay to recognize and and talk about our differences right um i think that's that's one of the challenges Hmm. is when we when we say race right we think of people of color right and just talking about white being a race and what does that mean to us right just having and that's not that big of a conversation right Right. you can you can say what does it mean to you to be white right i mean it's a big conversation Mm -hmm. but in in a safe place with people that you that you're safe with right um you can have that and talk 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 about it yeah i i think that you're 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 right about that alex is that um too often times we we shy away from the conversations that we think might be uncomfortable um you know lest we be judged mm-hmm. say the wrong thing mm-hmm. say something you know and so there's a lot of fear that goes behind not having the conversation mm-hmm. but sometimes we have to just figure out a way to work through that fear mm-hmm. and to have the conversation because that's the only way we're going to move forward when mm-hmm. we start to actually face things and talk about it Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fear and the the distance keeps the distance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it allows um, preconceived notions and other things to thrive. Right. So in that mm-hmm. gap between mm-hmm. the conversation and the non-conversation mm-hmm. is the gap of just that mm-hmm. space. And in that space, a lot of things can flourish. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Including the distance and the solution, the 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 cure we're all looking for coming out of a pandemic mm. is connection. Absolutely, the pandemic isolated us, pushed us away, mm-hmm. made us afraid of each other, right. um, masked us, um, distance us, and and connection is really the yeah. the way through. That's I what we're doing at the library. We are connectors, <laughs> connecting people to people, connecting people to resources. Right. So, and you found a way, even even during the pandemic, that connection mm-hmm. still continued, albeit in a different way, but it still mm-hmm. continued. Um, and and that's why you guys are doing great things. If you had to, are there things that you want people to know right now? Things that are coming up in the coming weeks and months? Anything that um, you just want to folks radar? Before we switch, because I want to get your, I want to get your your uh, recent trip to Serbia. I want to talk about that. Oh, yeah. So the yeah. library, you got to just check out the yeah. website pittsfieldlibrary.org. All right, All right. every day there's 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 so many. Yeah. yeah, there's so much going on. Yeah, um, there's lots of change. This is <laughs> this is probably the hallmark. I'm a change maker. Yeah. The staff and sometimes it's free, folks. It's free. Mm-hmm. Your library card is free, right? So mm-hmm. if you don't have a library card. Come well, then, it. you know, you're just Come you're just it. not with it. And you can use your yeah. library card from one of our surrounding communities as well. Yeah. Everybody in CW Mars, we're 100, over 150 libraries and we all share resources. Keeps you connected. <laughs> all right. That's right. Got to check out the Berkshire Athenaeum. All right. So you just came back from Serbia. <laughs> I did. All right. Yeah. I need to know all the details. <laughs> 
What a trip. Yeah, this was pretty a really special trip. Um, about three years ago, I was uh, looking at some Rotary programs. Mm-hmm. I'm part of the Rotary Club. And and you are the president I, of the Pittsville that's Rotary. That's right. For 2022, 2023, yeah. I am the president. Imagine that. Um, wow. our, our theme... Our theme for Rotary this, for this this coming year is is imagine. Mm. So imagine all the things that Rotary can be, and so one of the the tenets of Rotary is uh, peacemaking mm. and promoting peace in the world. This has a lot of avenues. Rotary is is really responsible for the almost eradication mm. of polio. Mm. We're almost done with polio. It's so close. There have been a, yeah. a few um, free cases in Pakistan. Wow. Um, but that's primarily been it. So we're all, we've almost gotten polio done. Um, and in, and uh, another way that we work is just understanding that service, community service, serving with others, is a way of building um, friendships and connections, and that that fellowship leads yeah. towards peace. Mm-hmm. And so the, the Rotary Foundation cooperated with USAID, our mm-hmm. governmental aid organization, mm-hmm. so that they incentivized us doing more friendship building with Eastern Europe. Uh, little did we know how important that would be. Yeah. Right? It seems all the more important now with the conflict in Ukraine. And so we were able to have Rotary match, Rotary Foundation match our local club's donations and then have USAID also match our donations. Wow. So we were building up, making a bigger a bigger gift out yeah. of our gift. And so we were able to buy um, computers, projectors, equipment, furniture, manipulatives, and also curriculum. So we paid teachers to write the curriculum yeah. for preschool and kindergarten classrooms in, I think... In total, it's about 120 um, classrooms in wow. Serbia. And so we were the first club to, to sponsor it here in Pittsfield. Mm-hmm. And now a club in Savannah, Georgia is picking it up for another year. Now, will it be the same school in Serbia? or different? No. Oh. So this is expanding it oh, to more of the okay, schools. Okay. So we worked with a town called Bor. Okay. It's in southeast Serbia, um, just south of of Belgrade, which is the capital city. Mm -hmm. And that club worked with the Ministry of Education for the country. And the ministry was so impressed with how this project worked that they... um, got more support to expand it and now it's going to expand even more through this uh, continued work with the Savannah Club. Wow. Now I have to ask, with the ongoing conflict going on in Ukraine, was there any trepidation as to this trip and the timing? Sure. Sure. Um, I timed the trip to to visit when another group from Savannah would be going so we'd have a larger group visiting. Mm -hmm. And Serbia is pretty close to Ukraine. Um, So on the American side, I was the only one from our Massachusetts group that was going on this trip. Other people, yeah. um, because of also pandemic mm-hmm. concerns. Um, but honestly, when I when I got there, the Serbians were much less phased by it than we were. Mm. They were they were used to conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, they understood how they fit into mm-hmm. this particular conflict, and they have seen it before right. in the in the nineties. Mm-hmm. NATO was bombing Serbia, mm-hmm. and so they mm-hmm. have some some back ground with that right so it was a very different perspective yeah it was really helpful for me to to kind of hear 
what it felt like for them when they were were living with with daily bombing. That Mm. is something that um, also motivated me wanting to do this project in Serbia. Mm -hmm. I had been there when I was an undergraduate. I was studying in Budapest and a friend of mine invited me to Belgrade to spend Easter with her family. And my first trip to Belgrade, I walked around the downtown and I saw these buildings Mm -hmm. that were in ruins. And I said, what happened to this building? And she said, the U.S. and NATO bombed that Mm. um, in in the 90s during the breakup of Yugoslavia. And that was just devastating Mm. to me to Mm -hmm. know that that our country was participating in this and that's beyond um i i'm not going to get into the political justifications or criticism of it but just seeing something that we were responsible for um made me feel like if i were a kid there i'd want some other way of knowing the u.s Mm -hmm. right and so getting this equipment to kindergarten classrooms so these kids would see look this u.s rotary club cares about us and cares about our future right that's a that, that is another piece of the whole picture that they see. And do you think that that objective was accomplished? Do you think that they came out having this perspective of caring people, knowing that there are people on the other side of the water that care for them and, and care for their well-being? For sure. Yeah. They were they were such gracious hosts when mm-hmm. I went to visit. It was mm-hmm. very sweet going to the classrooms and seeing the kids being so thankful. Oh. And and the the administration too that these these are yeah. people who aren't necessarily supported. We think about our preschools and think about how hard our teachers right. are working. So for them to have somebody from fly across the globe to Means to congratulate lot. them and support Means them a lot. Yeah. Do you envision yourself going on any future service trips with the Rotary? Oh, for sure, for okay. sure. Right now, we're the next big project. We're talking with a partner in Adams, yeah. who has a connection to the Philippines. Wow! So each year, yeah. uh, the Pittsfield Rotary Club gives a dictionary to every third grader in mm-hmm. Pittsfield, and the kids love it. And they, they, you know, it's the same thing for yeah. them. They see that somebody cares about them and about their future. Mm-hmm. And um, so this Rotarian, previous Rotarian, who now lives in Adams, has family in the Philippines. And when they visited, they saw that the kids were really interested in dictionary. Mm. because they're one of the avenues to success is is mastering English mm. and so they have an interest in getting dictionaries so we're going to look and see if we can do some kind of partnership to, okay. to get to the Philippines okay. and that seems like a, like that would be a nice site visit I have to admit <laughs> beautiful 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 country um, and beautiful people too um, alright so Alex you you're, you're super busy and in addition to your Rotarian <laughs> work in addition to your um, your other presidency with CW Mars mm-hmm. I mean, I could cite you serve on several boards, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what I want to know is how do you determine the ways in which you'll spend your time? Because, you know, time is something that's limited. And Mm -hmm. so, but you definitely are involved with multiple organizations. So do Mm -hmm. you have determining factors to say, this means X, Y, and Z to me? Um, Sort of, do you have this sort of mental checklist that you go by? Yeah. I suppose this is something I I kind of thought everyone does, but I try to question why me. Yeah. Why is why am I the one to do this particular mm-hmm. task? And so, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite service projects is working with Habitat for Humanity for the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program, the mm-hmm. VITA program. Mm-hmm. And why me? Because I don't think anybody else gets as excited about doing taxes. <laughs> you get excited. 
it's so good. Um, You know, I think about how we generally think about taxes, Uh and I think we have this perception of folks who have a lot of money um, paying, you know, they're paying their accountants and their tax lawyers to figure out how to get them the best deal. Mm -hmm. And I want that for everybody. Mm. So it's been been interesting for me to work through some of the ways that we could um, help some of our our neighbors do the best on their taxes. Okay. All right. Well, who knew? Yeah. Who and knew? then we're bringing back million, over a million dollars in tax refunds from the over 500 tax returns Alex, that we do in a, a year. you're a man of many talents. Many talents. All right. Listen, <laughs> we're down to about three minutes. So I want to get, I want to, I want to ask you who or what inspires you before we close out. Oh my gosh. Roberta. That is like the biggest question. We should have started with that. We have a whole hour. You got, on, you on got a that. minute. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're Every, you know, everybody really does. Uh-huh. I have to say, in in different ways. Yeah. Um, I can look at you and be very inspired oh, for sure. Alex. We we had a little dance party before we started we talking. Did. And, <laughs> and when I think about you know just thinking about how you are raising kids and working in a, in a, your husband is yeah. working, everybody's working, and you're yeah. running everybody around. That's inspiring to me. When I think I'm complaining about, oh, I have to do this project or that project. I remember, you know what. What is Roberta doing today? <laughs> oh, Here I'm saying, oh, can I make it to the gym or not? I think, what would Roberta do? <laughs> but, oh, but, thank you. I, look, I'm inspired by our friends at the mm-hmm. Athenaeum. Yeah. We have such an amazing friends group. They're there every Monday and Wednesday morning, sorting through the books, accepting donations, figuring out what they're is awesome. going to sell the best. And they're just so devoted. These are folks who worked so hard all their lives, they're and now awesome. they're working harder in their in their retirement. And listen, that book sale is the place to be. If you have not <laughs> gone to one of the Friends of the Athenaeum book sale, you need to get there because you will find all sorts of treasures and gems, and we have the Friends to thank for oh, that. They're amazing. Three times a year, July, yep. November, and March. Mm-hmm. And they raise uh, all the funds that pay for the fun stuff. Yeah. All of the Library of Things. All We buy extra copies of, of bestsellers. So for every three holds that are on a book, yeah. we buy another copy. Nice. So that's Pittsfield Resident don't have to wait too long for that. So they're really inspiring. Um, I think about. Uh, <laughs> I think I told you one of one of my inspirational go tos was Aretha Franklin's uh-huh. performance at the Kennedy Center. She was performing Carol King when Carol King was inducted, and she was just so elegant and strong. Was that strong. when she was wearing the fur? She, yeah, she dropped that fur halfway through, and she looked up at, at uh, the boxes and just sang it yes. out. Yes. And to, to, see, <laughs> to see her on that stage mm-hmm. and, and know that she was the queen, right? Yeah. We might have been celebrating Carol King, but she was the queen. Absolutely. And we all have to do that in our days. We, we have, have to be yeah. proud. We have to stand up. Absolutely. Find ways to celebrate the small things and mm. not wait mm. not wait we have to find ways okay we have about 50 seconds one word to describe yourself if you had to choose one word what would it be service right okay rotary's rotary's theme rotary's motto is service above self okay uh the name alex alexander comes from helper of mankind 
or humankind, excuse me. And so, yeah, it's all about service. Love it, Alex. Okay, everyone, you've been listening to Backstory. Let's hear it on WTBRFM Pittsville with Roberta McCulloch, dues of the mayor's office in the city of Pittsville. We thank our guest, Alex Rechkowski, for joining us today. And I thank you for listening. Have a great day. Thank you.